as we were in the worship, I saw a large sack, um, like a big bag of water, <clears throat> just above the church. And then I saw a needle coming and just pricking it. And I sense the Spirit of God says, just as there are different stages in the process of birth, the baby cannot come forth until the waters are broken. And there is a word going out in the Spirit right upon the church universally, globally, speaking about suddenlies. And I just sense that God is saying that there will be a sudden prick of the Holy Spirit that would cause this water bag to break over this church. And it even started last week as you were just saying, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let the kingdom authority of God come. So I just want us just in faith, just across, just holding hands, do a decree right now this morning and just um, speaking out, let your kingdom come, Lord, because there needs to come a, a suddenly that will break forth in the birthing of God's redemptive purpose for this church. And it's going to come suddenly and it's come quickly. As I just stepped in here this morning and the pre-service prayer meeting was going on, I could sense there was a, there's a stirring of waters. And this was just supernaturally as we waited on the Lord in worship that I saw this vision. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, corporately as a church, we declare now, Lord, we declare and decree, let your kingdom come in frontline ministries. Let it come, Lord, in our personal lives. Let it come in the church. Let it come in our communities. In Jesus' name, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Thank you, Father. Your will be done. Your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done, Father. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Can I just, I don't know who this is. Thank you. I wonder if I could just ask if somebody of the elders or somebody, Noel, will you just take up the request just to show me when I have five minutes left <laughs> that I don't go over my time. Thank you. Is that, that okay, Ryan? Okay. I was so excited, I um, asked Gretchen just to forward um, your last service message to me, and as I listened to it, I just want to congratulate, um, thank you, Ryan and Ronell for the appointing as pastors. How wonderful. May the seed of your life bring forth great harvest. May it bring forth a great harvest in this church and in the communities and in the kingdom. Um, we all know the old saying, it's, the, it's with the appointing that the anointing comes. 
And um, by this the Father is glorified that our lives bear much fruit. Every disciple of God is called to bear fruit. Every disciple, if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, God's initial plan was with you of great fruitfulness. And so um, we want to talk about this, this morning, the seed of our lives. We start out with John 15 that says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to me, my disciples. What is the anointing of God? We often talk about it. But the anointing of God is when ordinary people are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do extraordinary things. We know that the Word of God says the disciples were just ordinary men. They were ordinary men, but the Holy Spirit came upon them so that they could be, do extraordinary things. And the scripture we're looking at this morning is Daniel 11, verse 32, and it says, They that know God, Yada, Elohim, will display strength and do mighty exploits. They that know their God will display strength and do mighty exploits for God. There's three words that we want to look at. We want to look at the word know, knowing God. The Hebrew word here in this passage speaks about knowing, in the, and the Hebrew word yada actually means, it's also one of the meanings of the word is worship, but it's actually knowing somebody intimately like Adam knew Eve and she conceived. So it speaks of that intimate relationship between a man and a, a, a wife so that conception can take place. And that knowing um, is so important this morning and we're going to talk about it. Then we look at the fact that displaying strength. So there's a progression in this verse and an order. And the first word is it's first knowing God then an impartation of strength, and then the great exploits. And sometimes we want to start at the exploits, but what happens is when, without intimacy, there's no conception. So if, this, if I want to come to the place of fruitfulness in my life and receive everything, the fruit, we don't receive fruit in its full form, we receive a seed. There are seeds of possibility that we receive from the Father in our spirit. When we are impregnated by the Spirit of God, when we're in a place of worship, it's like this morning, as you enter into that place of worship, as you enter into that place of worship, there's a coming together of the Lord and things are imparted into your spirit. Seeds of possibility, but it's in a seed form. Now, I want to say, if we have received from the Lord in intimacy, if I do not draw aside and behold the face of the Lord in worship and in studying of the word, the, word of, uh, the Song of Solomon says, the Lord, he, the, Lord the shepherd kisses, kissed the bride with the kisses of his mouth. What is the kisses of his mouth? It is the word of God. It's we are kissed by the word of God as we take in the word of God. The instructable seed um, of God enters into our spirit and it germinates and brings forth a strength in the Lord, which then brings forth great exploits for the Lord. So all of us have, since the day you were created, there are seeds, put your hand here, there are seeds of 
possibilities in your life. Every one of us have different seeds of possibility in us, but it can happen that we can die and those seeds have never germinated. Have you ever thought of that? That it could be that there are seeds inside of you and that it needs to germinate, but you, if you do not get it into the atmosphere and abide by the laws of germination, it will never bring forth the dream of God for your, for your heart. Um, we often see people who have children that are arrested in growth. And a sadness comes over you as a parent because you know, you know that that child was meant to, to grow up into the full potential of maturity, but he is arrested in his growth. And I think a lot of us are like that in, in the church, that we, we should have been at places of fruitfulness, but we're just still walking around with the seeds of possibility inside of us. Wonderful, they that know their God will display strength. The book of Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we're talking about here that intimacy releases joy. Intimacy releases joy. Why am I saying that? Who have ever experienced the joy of being loved? You know, there's a great difference between happiness and joy. Joy is a person. Joy is Jesus Christ. Joy is knowing that I am loved unconditionally. If I send a soldier into a war zone, there's times that, that his, his ammunition dries up, that he's wounded, um, that the fatigue takes over, and the general pulls back the people from the front line back into joy camp. What do I mean? That they come back to base camp where their weapons are repaired, where they rest, where they are replenished, where they are in a safe and secure place. What does love cause in our lives? The love of our intimacy with God brings us back into places of security and confidence. Our confidence is restored. I often say this from the pulpit, and I, I once had a professor... Um, and I studied in the, in the discipline of trauma. I had a professor, and he told me, he said, the best, best, best place for your brain to function at optimum levels is when you're in a place of joy. Do you know that your brain was actually created by God to function in a place of joy? That's when your creativity is the best, when your physical strength is the best, and your mental capacity. So it's so necessary that we constantly are pruned back into a place of intimacy so that our joy can be restored. A lot of us are walking around with a spirit of mourning on us because of the losses that we've been through in life. I often find that people that have come out of the occult or have come out of a, back, a, a, a bloodline where the, where the pre previous generations were serving idols and not serving God, 
is actually born with the spirit of mourning. Who knows that we, we, we mass wederfan, that sometimes you have a baby that is just born crying constantly. And as soon as it's put to the breast, it quietens down. And so this morning, God even wants to set you free of a spirit of mourning and sadness and heaviness that is upon you. And His Spirit is calling you to return to joy camp. Because it's that place where your strength is restored. It is at that place where fresh energy is restored into life. One word from God. Remember when Elijah was lying under the, the bush after he had conquered Jezebel? I mean, imagine calling down the fire of God on an altar, seeing an incredible victory, and then Jezebel persecutes him, and he lands um, up under the bush, and he says, God, let me die. And the Lord knew that he needed replenishment. He, he had to eat his way back into joy camp. He sent ravens with food to feed him. And after that, he ran up the mountain. He outran the chariots. He outran the chariots up the mountain for 40 days. Psalm 23 says, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. I like the saying that you can eat yourself out of trouble. I love food. <laughs> and just apply it today in the spirit. Church, you've got to eat yourself. Eat the word. You've got to eat yourself out of trouble so because you've got to strengthen yourself in the inner man so that you can display strength. You have to eat your way out of that. I mean, imagine a table. You come army on, and, and God sets the table, and he says, sit down and eat. Crazy. I can't sit down now. They're bombing me. God says, sit down and eat. Because it's our enemies that causes us to grow. It's the things that we're struggling with that forces us to the word so that we can take in the indestructible seed of the word that will not return void. It will renew your mind. It will comfort your emotions. It will strengthen your physical body. And so it's yada, that praise, that worship, that intimacy with God, receiving the love of God back into me. The Bible says in 1 John 4, it says, For they who have come to know and believe the love of God. For God is love. And whoever dwells, abides in love, abides in God. And sometimes we're just so burnt up and so stressed out and so fearful, we don't even know if God knows our name. We don't even know how do I get to the place of love. All that I say is, if you're in that place, you need to be pruned back to that place of just focusing on love. I want you just to whisper softly where you are, Lord, reduce me to love. Cut me back to the place of love. Just bring me right back to that place of love. And it just starts with, you know, Ephesians, Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, I walk in love. 
And the Amplified says, delighting and esteeming others as Christ gave himself up as a fragrant offering before God. I often said, Lord, because I, some of us, the sin of unlove was afflicted upon us from childhood. We don't know how to love. We think it's just a feeling and we, we can't, our feelings are so, so um, our hearts are so shut down that we don't know how to love. And this is a wonderful, wonderful way to activate love in yourself, that you just start delighting everybody in front of you and in your world, enjoying them unconditionally, and honoring them. And immediately love is activated. Some of us need to apply those laws to ourselves. We need to start enjoying our own uniqueness, not special, because special means I'm better than somebody else. Uniqueness means I'm different. Celebrating our own uniqueness and respecting ourselves. Because we are not able to love others until we've come to that place in ourselves. And the minute I start doing that, I sense a shift in the atmosphere. I sense a shift in my mind and in my emotions because I'm in the presence of love. I'm a, when I apply the principles of love, something is activated in me. Something is activated in the atmosphere and in the area in which I live and the people in my world is touched by it. And so that's the place where I start off. I want to say joy is a product of love. Jesus says in verse 15, have you ever noticed that this was one of the last requests that Jesus had before he went to the cross? In John 17, he prays his last prayer. It actually starts, you can focus and start studying John 15. I want to encourage you in the next two weeks to start with John 15 and follow on to John 17 and stay in that place. You know, sometimes we have to stay, abide in one word and not jump around so that we, we, we can draw it in deeper and it can germinate, so that that seed can germinate in us. Stay on it until, so that God can expand that scripture inside of you, so that expansion can take place there. So Jesus says his desire is that our joy will be full. And he says, John 15, verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that, you, you, that my joy, what is Jesus' joy, might be in you and that your joy may be full. And I thought, Lord, what, what caused your joy? Joy is just a fruit of love. Is it because you are love? And then the Lord led me to John 15, and it says, Father, you have loved me before the foundation of the earth. The love between the Father and Jesus, even before Jesus came to the earth, there was a love between them. And that love was so great between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that they wanted to include other people in that. And that's why Jesus came to earth, to widen that circle of love. But it was because of the love between the Father and Jesus 
that Jesus was a man of joy. And he wanted us, he said, I want you to feel that love in your heart. Some of the translations in John 17 said that Jesus wanted us to feel. I will say it every time that I'm on the pulpit. If you cannot feel the love of God, you're busy with religion. And we have to constantly, you guys in the worship and the preaching, we have to constantly create atmospheres so that people can break through in their emotions to experience one experience with God and you can run up the mountain for 40 days on nothing. That's when your strength is restored. That's when your capacity for joy is restored. That's what enabled Jesus. Very interesting. I just want us to quickly go back to, um, to Daniel 11 as I, as I was just waiting on the Lord on that scripture I noticed that the translation there says, they that know their God, but the Hebrew there is very interesting. It says, they that know Elohim. Now we know in John 17, Jesus says, I have made yourself known to my disciples, your name I have made known to them. So what does Elohim mean? Elohim means the most high God. In other words, if I know God as Elohim, I come under him. It means he is the highest authority. God specifically chose to place his name in that scripture. It speaks of a coming under, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. It speaks of a kingdom authority and we coming under under that kingdom authority and it's when in that place of of his lordship in my life that strength is released and exploits are done for the lord so that's i just wanted to remind you of that so that we uh, can just focus on that okay let me just return to my notes um i want to continue to talk to you about the fact that exploits are actually deeds of courage. It is great things, seeds of possibilities coming to fruition. That is what exploits are. Things that I would not ordinarily be able to accomplish will be accomplished once I have broken through to that place of joy and my courage is restored. Most of us have seeds of possibilities. Who have ever of you, just, just raise your hand and let me see. Who of you have ever experienced, but you have a, a seed of possibility, a business idea, a book, music, um, solutions for problems. Just raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. So those seeds, for them to germinate, most of the time I will say, you know, I was on the verge of doing that, but I'm so scared it will fail. Because fear paralyzes you. Fear of failure often paralyzes you. But God wants us to come to that place that we realize Failure, God never sees anything that we do and we fail in as a, a, fa a mistake, as a failure. He sees it as a learning curve. And I want to say to you, to some of you, stand up 
and return to that place of courage so that the seeds of possibility can break through free in your life. Sometimes there's a history in our minds that we first need to deal with. Some of us are stuck in places of failure. We're stuck. I, I have such uh, excitement in my spirit. I woke up the day before yesterday with an incredible sense that the harvest is about to break through. All over South Africa, the word's gone out. It's time, it's time, it's time. Church, it's truly time. And I'm telling you, there's an acceleration coming now. And in a suddenly, like that prick in that water bag, it will happen in a moment because of what's on God's time clock now. And I saw a vision of, I don't know who of you have ever sown carrot seed. Is there anybody, have you seen how it works? It like he's just finish and lots of them. And I kept on seeing this vision in front of me. And the Lord says that the germination of seeds that are in people will break forth now in, in an incredible time. I want to look at the, the laws of germination so that you can understand how it actually works um, with a seed. Jesus often uses, in the parables, he takes the example of seed to explain kingdom principles to us. He takes the natural things as it is in the natural, so it will be in the spiritual. So often many of the parables are tied up with seeds. He says that the kingdom is like a mustard seed. He talks about the whole parable of the seed that was sown. And then Jesus come, and in John 13, he says to the disciples, unless a seed of grain falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bring forth life. So we actually see that all life is preceded by death. Just repeat that after me. Life is preceded by death. Okay. Now I want you to think of your own personal life. I want you to think of relationship problems, marriage problems financial problems, health problems. God is saying to you, it is preceded, if you want to see life in that area, you will have to apply the laws of the germination of seed. Let me explain that to you. When Jesus said, unless a seed, we know that our lives are seeds. Your life is a seed. Your words are a seed. Your thoughts are a seed. Okay. So there is the possibility of the law of multiplication in that seed. There is life in that seed. But for that seed to germinate, it needs to go through a certain process. I cannot put the seed in the ground today and tomorrow there's a tree bearing fruit. Although I think that's what's happening in the spirit right now. It's going to move so quickly. But it is still, God will not violate his laws. So what happens is, I wonder if you can just put up the video clip. Before that video clip starts, I want you to, uh, to explain something to you. I'll, I'll just give you a sign when you need to show the clip. So first of all, I want to say, every seed is encapsulated by a lobe. It's, it's got a, a, a lobe uh, encapsulated by it. So what happens? The seed has got to go into darkness, into isolation, and it's got to rot. 
when the outer capsule breaks forth, something in a moment is released, which is the, what is Kim Krachen Engels? The, yeah, the, the life of the germination immediately takes place. But in this clip you will notice, after that, a strange thing happens. The blade does not push up above the ground. It is first the root. And the Spirit of God wants to speak to us again. So now we go back to Daniel 11. They that know their God will be rooted and grounded in love. So it's first taking away the ego, my will, my way of doing it, the pride of life, letting that die, Going down into the root, the soil of his love, Paul says, I pray that you will be rooted and grounded. When Jesus tells the parable about the sower, he says, some seeds fell on ground and they sprung up quickly. But when the sun came, it scorched them. Jesus explains the parable and he says, the cares of this world and the desire for riches, church will kill the word of God in you. And when Jesus explains the parable, he answers and he says, these were the seeds that did not have root in themselves. What is the root that you need to be rooted in so that the seed can germinate and you can bring forth the fruitfulness that glorifies the Father? The root is the love of God. I'm first rooted and then out of that place of confidence and security of his unconditional love, and I look in his eyes, and I don't see the mistakes in my life. I see him covering it. I told the story of a while back where God, just in a time of waiting on him, he just showed me an area in my life that was just so dishonoring to God and displeasing to him, and I was so ashamed. And I said, Lord, why didn't you show me this long ago? I think he first said, you don't sit down long enough. <laughs> and then the other thing that he, I just heard the Spirit say to me, my love covers. You see, <clears throat> if you look at seed biologically, the scientist will tell us that there are growth inhibitors in seed. What do I mean by that? I mean that... There is genetically programmed into that seed a growth inhibitor that it will not germinate before the time until the season is ready because it will destroy the seed. Isn't that incredible? And then some of us lose faith because we've had seeds of possibility and we're not seeing it come forth like it should come forth. But it's the submission under Elohim to say, Lord, you know the best. I wait because it's not about my ego and what I want, but it's the fullness of time that you have positioned my life for bringing forth. If I bring forth the fruit one month before I die, if I bring forth the fruit, it's not my business. My business is to be rooted 
and grounded in the love of God, in submission to what he wants to do with my life. And if we watch this clip this morning, you will it's such a beautiful, beautiful illustration. You, I want you to clearly see how it starts with one root, and that, then that root just starts to grow, and only then it is released. So just focus on the clip and just watch through it, and let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. I don't wonder if we can put off the lights perhaps a little bit, otherwise it's not so clear. Is it possible? Amen. Thank you. The life of Jesus was a seed. <clears throat> Luke 22, verse 42. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as Jesus is just sweating blood, he's forsaken by his disciples. They've, they just left him. He's all on his own. And we know most of us walk through our own Gethsemanes on our own. Well, our friends know, they say they care, they pray, but it's in the end, it's, it's you and God. Um, we, we all walk through that on our own. And there's a place where it's between you and God. And Jesus had to come under the will of the Father. And it says, not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus submitted his will. I sense there's somebody in here that is on the verge of walking out on your family or your marriage. And you feel you have the right to leave. And God says, if you will submit to me, resist the devil. The minute you submit, you have authority to rebuke the enemy. And he will flee from you and God will turn the situation around. If you want me to pray with you afterwards, I will be in front. So what happened? Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. And then very interesting, the next part of the scripture says, now an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. So the minute Jesus says, Father, I don't take this cup away from me. I, I place a request, take this cup away from me but not my will, but your will be done. The seed fell into the ground. And what did Jesus' life produce? He produced the whole kingdom of God. All of our lives was produced at that moment when he surrendered to the... I often think what made him say, no, not my will, but your will be done, you know why he was able to say that? Because he could trust. Because he knew the love of the Father before the foundation of the earth. Sometimes we battle in submitting under the word of God because we are not able to trust that all his ways with us is in love. The covenant doesn't mean I will never have problems on earth. The covenant says 
when you encounter problems, it will work together for your good. That's the covenant. God says every demon in hell, every human spirit, every person, every dead human spirit coming against you means that weapon will not prosper. It doesn't mean weapons are not raised against you. They are raised against you, but they will not prosper. And Romans 8 says, they will work it together for good. Even if you can't see it, church, it will bring forth good in your life. But it causes me to go to that place <clears throat> of letting that seed die. Three years, four years ago, I had an encounter with the Lord that the Lord spoke to me about <clears throat> getting involved in spreading the gospel through the media because I sensed it's going to be a mighty tool of the Lord in the last days. And the Lord is anxious to get the harvest in, in places where the church cannot reach. We started a journey on, on writing a story of the prodigal son in a modern version and we created a movie. I had no knowledge God supernaturally brought me into a presence of a team of people that we grew up doing ministry together and we, we started a produ production company and so the film was made. Thank goodness I didn't know what I was in for before the time, otherwise I would have never have tread in that place. But during the time, there was a lot of, like the seed just germinated and we were so aware of God's provision and it was just rolling and miracles was actually happening. And I was so full of confidence of this product and what God was able to do it. Then we came to the stage of post-production. And those of you who have been involved in things like that will know that is the greatest challenges. I wasn't aware of the challenges of post-production and budget and of things that because of the lack of knowledge we didn't um, prepare. And I want to say to you, haste is from the kingdom of darkness. Maybe somebody needs to hear that today. Yeah, there's a demon called hurry. <laughs> and so sometimes we have to wait and it's usually our pride and our impatience that causes us when we in, were in the post-production stage, we came across, we had a, what happened is when you, when you shoot on set, you actually have a director's screen. So the director would sit there and see this shot and this angle is perfect, I'll keep it. This one I'm going to uh, cut, I'm not going to use it. So after every day, he was supposed to short that out so that when we take that um, footage to the online editors afterwards, they just follow a sequence of that. We, there's usually somebody that you call a dit, which is somebody that works on scene that is, that is actually, um, it's their job to do that. We had a girl in the team that was doing that in the middle of the film shoot, she had to leave um, she was called back um, to carte blanche with a, with a, um, a work um, that she had to do and she had to leave immediately. We were exhausted. We were filming in the rain on farms till late at night. And I asked the director, what are we doing this about this now? He says, we can't think of that now. We just need to carry on and get the film in the can. We'll sort it out afterwards. 
Anyway, I don't know anything, so I just, you know, we're pushing through with the challenges that we had in the shoot. So afterwards, post-production, I had to take the film to a professional company to do the online editing. And when I came there the second day, he, he had already read the script, he came back to me, he said, Deline, you are asking me the impossible. I said, why? He said, you know what you've done? You've given me a large 5,000 piece puzzle box and it will take me hours to scramble to get the shots in sequence. He said, you pay me hourly, you will not be, you I can do it, but I will have to appoint workers, but I will ask you triple the amount that you have budgeted for, impossible. I went back into my room and I was crying before God and said, God, I cannot believe all the people that have come on board, the actors, the crew, everybody, the sacrifices. People left their jobs. They left their jobs for the time of the shoot. They left their income because they were doing it for the king. They were sacrificially giving of their lives because they, they believed in the project. I lay before the Lord and my husband said, God wants to speak to you. And I was in such a place of fear that I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who. I contacted many people in the film industry, and they all just said to me, oh, that's what went wrong. There's no ways that you can rectify this unless you, you pay somebody to, to rectify it, and it will take much longer. Maybe, you know, where you planned six months, it will take a year or whatever. And as I lay before the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm going back to the encounter in my office that you told me, if you are courageous now, you will see a great fruit. I said, Lord, what is going on there? I rebuked every demon that I could think of. I called in the finances. I proclaimed. I prayed a harvest over my seed of finances. I did everything possible. I called for divine connections with people. Nothing. And then one night, I woke up. And God says, I want you to die to the vision. I said, Lord, the embarrassment. You know, people are strange. I say, who far is he flick now? When is he on the flick? It's long now. When are we on now again? And God says, I want you to die. This movie, you will not attach your name to it. You will not attach the ministry's name to it. This was my seed. And I will take care of it. I will spread it. But tonight you lay down your will before me. So, die on, die ek gefrak. Die telefoon frak. I know only, only animals frack, hey? Yeah. So church, I want to say frack if you want to see the seed germinating. I had an encounter with God, and he says, do not touch my glory. Are you you're touching my glory? You're moving on a very, 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 very dangerous territory. And I had to reconnect the motive inside of me of why did I make the movie? What, what is the motivation? And we went before the Lord as a team. 
every camera moan because that meant to them work, you know. When the movie went out and their name was, all of us went before God and we gave the loft house back to the Lord and a peace came over me that I cannot explain to you. Forty days after that, the online editor phoned me back and he says, I think I've found a rhythm. Things are starting to flow. And I said, Andres, I don't have the money. He said, Deline, I'll stay with the initial amount. He says, because somewhere, his wife came onto the project, and somewhere they had just had a breakthrough late night, and a flow started to happen. I have not looked for a distributor. The movie was finished, the premiere was launched a week after that. There was a mail in my inbox that we had invited a Christian art distributor to attend. He mailed me and he said, Kum wants to take the product. I did not look for a distributor. TBN. Why am I telling the story? I'm telling the story that I am a living testimony of the seeds of possibility in your life. My name is because you see, I never knew that I was touching the glory of God. I never knew that, my, that somehow, subtly, my motivation wasn't right. You see, because sometimes it's, it's out of our, we want, to, we want to pursue things for whose glory. What? What are the seeds of possibility that God has placed in you? I've had people that have had infertility problems that came to us and knocked on our door one night and said, we finished after four years of infertility programs of trying to adopt children and it's just not happening and it's not finished. We are laying the seed in this ground and my husband said to them, and what will you do now? They said, we will take the money that we've spent and kept aside for infertility and we'll put it in an orphanage. I will start training children in the afternoons with athletics and she will do piano lessons and we are going to invest our time in children. This is the truth. Nine months after that, they received two little girls. I want to say to you, if you start applying the laws of submission, if you start applying the laws of God in your household, in your company, what are the laws of love? It Time, five? How many minutes? Five. Five minutes. I'm going to wrap up. What are the laws of love? I wonder if I can just get somebody just to flow behind the keyboard or on your guitar or whatever you do. Just instrumentally thank you just focus now what are the laws of love which are the laws of actually dying putting that seed in the ground father not my will you see my will has got an ego backing it and God wants you to lay down that ego because if you're loved you don't need an ego because love brings security and brings rest and a confidence.
Can I challenge you to start living as if you are loved? As if you are loved. What are the laws? The laws is seeking to understand the people in your life without wanting them to understand you. Seeking to understand without being understood. Are you at that place where you can lie that down? Yes, but my husband doesn't understand. My boss doesn't understand. My boss doesn't see my potential. God wants you to make that choice today. God wants you to resign in the office of a judge. I've rarely seen anybody making a difference in this world by taking on the role of a judge. Resign right now. Step into the place of unconditionally accepting and embracing other people. God wants you to step back from places of manipulation to have your way. And we women are excellent with that. Eh? We can manipulate our families to get what we want. Stop manipulating the people in your life and set them free to become who God has meant them to be. If I set something free, it finds its own potential. When I don't manipulate, but I participate by showing people the fruit of my life. You see, when people eat from the fruit of my life, seed is imparted into them. You, you live in an environment at your work, perhaps, where you just feel you're not making any difference. That's not your business. Your business is to show fruit and let people partake of it. It's impossible if they partake of the fruit of your life, the kindness, the goodness, the servitude. Life is installed into them. We can never see when the kingdom of God is germinating in somebody else. We want to measure it already at the place where it's producing feed. It might just be in the place of just germinating. You cannot see when the kingdom of God, but we have a measuring stick that we walk around with. And so this morning, God is calling you to places. And let's stand before the Lord.